Hello, Silvertown. Let's jump on that train and ride, ride into the wonderful, crazy world of sobriety. Also amazing, also fulfilling. So many things, so many things. Totally. Today, we are going to talk about how sobriety equips you to better handle the unexpected bullshit in life. Because let's mm-hmm. face it, there's always unexpected bullshit. We can't plan everything. Absolutely. It's so funny because, um, Elaine Neal, I looked at my little date book today and it said 9.30, handle bullshit. And I was like, what? <laughs> what bullshit am I supposed to handle? And I thought, well, whatever it is, I got it. <laughs> That's sobriety, ladies and gentlemen. And then you remembered, oh, right. Elaine wanted to talk about handling bullshit on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, what? bullshit do I am I signed up to handle at 9 30 sharp who's who's got bullshit and then I was like well whatever it is when I get there I'll figure it out if only bullshit were so scheduled that would be cool wouldn't it you could like brace yourself for it (laughs) well I think with sobriety it almost can be because you're because the point of scheduling anything is so that you can prepare And I feel like with sobriety, I just feel like I'm always prepared. Yeah. And thinking about this topic, like I had some unexpected bullshit lately, but it really made me think about like kind of how all those, all the sort of subliminal influences we're all exposed to every day, social media, films, television, advertising, literature, and so on. And, oh, and, you know, like, by the way, like the interactions with people that we already know that kind of fill us with these messages implying that like using booze is kind of the way to cope with the hard shit in life and even the smaller stresses day to day. And, and it's really mind blowing when you sit back and realize that is all bullshit. It really is, you know, something they're selling us. They're selling it to you. Right. That's exactly where I feel like it derives from. When you really think about it, I really pondered like, why is this? Why do we think that alcohol is the solution a lot of times, you know? Totally, totally. And that thing where it's like, well, I'm just going to relax. I deserve this. I'm going to unwind. I can't believe what a day I've had. And it's like, you're not relaxing. You're being sold that you're, you're buying into it. You're, you're, you know what I mean? Like you're just kind of a pawn. Yeah, no, I mean, the only thing I could think of as a concrete um, way that this has so permeated our society is kind of thinking about like those old advertisements from, you know, generations ago, and how these are perpetuated down through the generations from like grandfather to grandson to son, and then that those are all upheld by like modern day advertising and social proof around you. And then, you know, then the next thing you know, it's like, oh, um, all my coworkers are going out for happy hour on Friday. It's been a shitty week. I guess that's what I'm supposed to do. And it sends us Mm -hmm. that message that this is how we're supposed to deal with shit, large and small. And it's so weird to me now that I'm outside of it. I'm like, how did I, how, how did I get sucked into that illusion for 20 years? You know? No, I know. And I, people, I have, I'm a kitchen designer. Okay. And so 
I talk to people about the way they use their space because I'm designing it to suit them. And I'm like, how important is coffee? Who drinks coffee? You know, what does the coffee situation look like? What does dinner cleanup look like? And I always say, you know, what does entertaining look like and how important is alcohol? And I got this like, I get people who are like, oh, well, we're really into wine. And so we need to have, and I'm like dedicating all this space, this like valuable space in people's (laughs) kitchens. That's like the heart of their home. Yeah. uh, wine glasses and wine storage. And well, he's a whiskey guy. It's his thing every night. And I'm like, really? Cause you're like wasting yeah. so much space and money. These cabinets are expensive. And this is, you know, <laughs> I need a cabinet just for my whiskey. Yes. And, I'm like, <laughs> and I'm just like, this is you're you're being duped. Yeah. You're being duped and it's not making your life any better. And I also have a friend that we were talking about like homeschooling during COVID. He's like, you're a teacher. I was homeschooling during COVID because I used to be a teacher. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're just tuning in, I've, I've, uh, this is Sarah Malloy. She is a teacher. (laughs) I've been a lot of things. Yeah. I've been a lot of things, but he's like, how was it for you? He's like, I mean, it was just so hard. Like I, I wanted to quit drinking, but after COVID, like I just couldn't, like when you're with your kids all day, you just can't. And I was just like, Oh, I'm so sad for you. Yeah. That sucks. That sucks. It does. It does suck. And like, I don't know, lately, can you think of like, can you think of how your life was uh, before recovery in terms of, of like, you know, bullshit that would happen to you and how you responded versus now? Like, has there been, totally. have there been things like in recovery, especially that you're like, damn, I'm glad I'm not drinking for that. Oh, a thousand percent, Elaine. That's why this is such an awesome topic, really. Because it's like, and I'm going to say it, I think I say it every time, but when I read that Annie Grace book, This Naked Mind, she, when she said, you know, alcohol stirs up the brain chemistry that creates anxiety. And, uh, and, and the coming off of alcohol the next day, the, the off-gassing of your body processing it, you yeah. know, this acetaldehyde, um, that causes stress that? I could never figure out how to pronounce it. <laughs> yeah. It's like acetyl, acetaldehyde. I should ask Todd. Cause he's, he like uses words like that in his daily conversation. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. I had no, to. no, but when she said that's, that's the thing that's actually causing the turmoil and the stress. I had never put that together. I was yeah. always sold that alcohol helps you relax. Yeah, it's a depressant, but come on. And and when she said that, I was just like, yeah, for it just sure. reached into my brain, it flipped a little switch. And so for me now, not drinking to answer your question, it's like, I used to drink about it and then I'd handle it worse. Mm. And now I, I feel, I feel like I can see shit coming in slower motion yeah and I can like do that matrix neo where you bend all the way back and you dodge (laughs) those bullets and then you get up ready for that next hit because I I sobriety really has given me that gift I really do feel yeah I can see shit in slow motion can you think of like a good example like I can think of I got a ton I got a ton how should we should we structure this how should we talk about it well I can should we share our problems and how we dealt with them 
I can share one. I can share the bullshit that happened in to me that you already know about and who knows if our listeners will care, but it was, it was cool. And I really love how you just put it, that slowdown effect mentally, because like we were driving in, uh, we love to take road trips. We have, we made our element into a a camper. So we, we like slum it in the back of this camper and live like homeless people as we drive around and camp and all that and I love it but it's not really like living like homeless people I would never compare our privilege to that but the point is amazing but we but we love to travel and we went all the way up to Montana to see Glacier National Park and while we were up there our check engine light came on we were like well hopefully it's okay and then like on the drive back um it our car just started sounding like a twin engine plane about to crash somewhere you know it was like sputtering barely holding on and like at first like at first it wasn't like that at first it was just kind of making some weird noises and we were trying to like we were trying to google it while we still had service like what could it be we're talking at three he's like i don't think it's that i'm like well i don't think it's this and which is just pointless anyway but we're like we're trying to like um you know to just strip, like strategize or theorize what's going on but because we're which can i stop you right there yeah i'm gonna just pause i'm gonna put a pin in every time i think that i see sobriety paying off mm-hmm. so for you to stand there with your partner and go well let's let's investigate let's problem solve let's brainstorm let's think what do you think it is and saying why didn't you fucking change the oil okay <laughs> so that's sobriety right there just you going what what are we looking at what do you think we're looking at babe I don't know, yeah babe. yeah it was okay. very like no you, you know there was no like blame on either side it was more like well that could be transmission or that could be this wow that would suck if it would be transmission we'd have to get like a whole new car well anyway we're driving yeah. along for two hours and it keeps getting worse and and you know at first we thought well, <laughs> we could get it back to denver you know we were thinking we we're like 12 hours from home by the way and we're still optimistic yeah. we're like well, maybe we can get it back to Denver and we can get the guy to look at it. It'll be okay. And then like an hour in, we're like, oh shit, no, we're not making it back to Denver. Like maybe we can make it to Missoula and like Missoula is still two hours away. And then like <laughs> we get to where we're like 40 minutes outside Missoula and the car, we're afraid to stop at the stoplight coming up because we think the car won't keep going after we stop. And that's exactly what oh happened is like the car just died right after we stopped at a stoplight we and then but yeah and so it was crazy because it was like at first it was like oh maybe we'll get home well maybe we'll make it to missoula and then we were like well maybe we'll make it to cell phone service because we had no cell service where we were and so then i was just really grateful that we broke down in freaking cell service territory because all we had to do you know it's modern technology was call a dude he showed up in 20 minutes and you know it ended up being a surprisingly easy thing to deal with. Whereas if I were drinking, I would not be able to wait to get to the next bar. If I would have had booze in the car, I would have been taking it out. We would have been, the car would have been sputtering and I would have been like sucking down the vodka. Like, oh man, oh man, oh man, I'm dying. I'm dying. This is horrible. Why is this happening? Why is this happening to me? I know, right? (laughs) And that's the thing. And then it wasn't like that at all. It was like, okay, well, thank God we're, it, it became a series of reminders about how grateful we were is really what it was. It was like, okay, we broke down in cell service. The guy came. 
He said that if we had called five minutes later, he wouldn't have been able to come get us because he was about to go somewhere else. He came, he got us, he took us there. We're in a college town with like, that's super walkable, of course. And then the kid, but you know, right. As they say, things happen in threes sometimes like unfortunate events. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, it was yeah, yeah. like, oh, you're going to need a new $1,300 part. And oh, you can't get it till Monday. So you're going to be stuck here in this town for three days. Oh, and it's college football weekend. So it's 250 a night. So now what became a $200 ride home was now like a $2,500, you know, expensive. <laughs> I know. And, and, and the Uber driver was like, oh, and I'll tell you all the bars you can go to. And I'm like, damn, man, this shit's testing me now talking about bars. Ooh. Yeah. But you know, it was cool. Like after, like at first it was like, oh, well, this kind of sucks money-wise because anytime you get an unexpected expense to that degree, I mean, cause we're not like, yeah. we're not rolling in all sorts of money. We we're comfortable, but $2,000 yeah. is still a bummer to a lot of people. Yeah. Oh, we could still Without pay for any warning. Yeah. I mean, we yeah. were, but you know, we had a credit card ready to go, you know, it was like, it was like, yeah. we, we got to walk around this beautiful town, eat food. We walked 10 miles, it ended up being a really lovely trip, but I can imagine that old me would have really felt like would have really played into the chaos of it. Like it would have been like, why is this happening? Why does the universe hate me so much? And now I'm going to perpetuate this chaos by drinking myself into oblivion all weekend. Played into the chaos of it. Did you guys hear that? Yeah, that's beautiful. That's so well said. Because that's that's what that's what we do. We catastrophize. Yeah, you know? that's a good. And we and we we victimize ourselves. Why is it happening to me? This always happens to me. Right. Why are we? I can't believe it. This stupid Mizzou football schedule. It's like, <laughs> why stress about things that are beyond your control? Right. Oh, I love that story because I hear slow motion. I hear that slow motion concept of. The problem coming at you in slow motion and you being able to kind of formulate a response you know not a reaction a respond they say the word responsible is because you are able to respond it's not oh. called reactionable someone you're not a reactionable person who can pay your bills and arrive on time you respond you respond you're able to respond that's I heard a lot of gratitude oh yeah yeah that's like you know old uh, but I heard a lot of gratitude from you. Oh yeah. I mean, I was grateful because we drive in the wilderness and, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's always, I think too, this, this, this is the thing like, you know, I think when I was drinking, I got wrapped up in this idea when things bad would happen, I would get wrapped up into that. It was a target from the universe toward me and it felt yeah. very personal and yeah. now I can see through the bullshit and I realize that, you know, things happen to everybody all the time. We all get a fair allowance of bullshit that is distributed to us. It's not really a question of if it's just a question of when and how you, and I love that about how you respond because I do feel like in drinking, I just reacted to things sometimes better, mm -hmm. sometimes poorly. And, and it felt like, um, you know, a much slower time to react. And, and um, yeah, you know, it could have been way worse if we had had a, like if one of us would have had to hitch a ride. I don't oh know. God. It just would like have been that, uh, Kurt Russell movie. Remember that Kurt Russell movie with the red Jeep Cherokee? 
Oh no, what is it's it? It's called break it's called breakdown. It's called breakdown. It's from the 90s. I think it's quite a gem. Him and his wife, they break down and then she he somebody stays with the car and somebody goes into the gas station, the, the truck stop to try to hitch a ride and the, the wife disappears. I mean, he's got to find his wife and he's trying to got to fix his car. And I'll tell you what, the sales on the 1994 Red Jeep Cherokee plummeted that year. Oh God, that's <laughs> hilarious. It's a good one though. It's called Breakdown. It'll keep you on the edge of your seat. Oh man, it's, I got to dust but, that off. Dust it off, dust it off. Um, okay, so as you were talking, I began to make this little list. Yeah. And... I just sort of like on one side, I wrote the good, the sobriety things I was hearing from your story. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, I wrote the, if it was drinking me, this is how I would have, you know, responded. And back to nineties movies, have you ever seen that Gwyneth Paltrow movie called uh, Sliding Doors? No, I haven't, but I think parts of it, parts of it. Yeah. It's, it's where she, some magic happens. Okay. And she misses the train ride. But then like the, you know, there's some magic, this time travel magic kind of where there's two hers, okay? She kind of like splits and there's one of her that runs ahead and catches the train and she goes to work and everything's fine in her regular day. But then the her that misses the train, well, she goes home because she can't get to work that day. So she goes home, she catches her husband cheating on her. She breaks up with him, starts taking night classes. I don't know, it's been a while since I've seen it. It starts this whole new life. And meanwhile, the other her is just like slumping around sadly in this sad relationship or husband's uh. cheating on her and treating her like shit. And I think I thought about that early in my sobriety because I used to think about how the other me would be reacting and responding. And one time I stayed at a wine country inn with my kids when I was like three weeks sober and I was super duper tested. And I kept thinking about the other Gwyneth Paltrow me. Mm. that would have said yeah we get a free glass of wine at check-in uh-huh because yeah. free alcohol was always such a trigger for me yeah and um you know there's a glass of wine on everybody's dinner table and you're at a hotel with your kids and you're just eating junky bad food watching bad tv on the bed while your kids are eating french fries and you're eating a bottle of wine yeah and I just kept thinking about the other me you know who how I would have handled that and so back to your story with the car it's like you would have started drinking when the when the light came on. You would have already been drinking. You would have played into the chaos and you would have taken it personally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think there is some that, need to embrace the self-pity in it all too. Like um, whenever we get in those moments of chaos, like it's like uh, this need to consume and um, it's kind of like internalizing justification in a way. Like- Absolutely. Uh, you know, like now, oh, I deserve this, but, um, but also kind of just on a deeper level that these things are always going to happy happen to me. And I'm just stuck in this bad place. And, and, oh, by the way, I'm comfortable here because chaos can be a comfort yeah. space. That's really hard yeah. to get out of, even if it's chaotic and awful. And you can see that when you leave, um, drinking, behind when you're in it it's it can be comforting it can be comforting to be like well it's not it's it's nothing that I did it's the universe you know place that blame oh well you know what it's actually because 
when some dingus decide to decide to saw off our catalytic converter for the second time we didn't replace it mm -hmm. we had it welded back on so then it failed so that was actually maybe our fault mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah that's how it is that's how it is okay so other bullshit yeah other bullshit other bullshit that we deal with um for me it's a couple things um, one of them is just sort of the constant, like dailies of life, which I wouldn't say is bullshit. I'm so honored and gifted to have the life I have, you know, and to have beautiful children that love and trust me that I have custody of, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like shit. <laughs> so just the dailies of like getting out the door, you know, like getting breakfast on the table, getting the breakfast dishes cleaned up. So they're not sitting on the counter all damn day, getting those lunches packed, getting everybody's everything for their Halloween costume out the door for the day, you know, mm -hmm. and getting my stuff so that I can do my meetings and appear as a professional, not have like banana on my blouse. <laughs> and like, that's one of those, like, it's kind of the other side of the coin of like car breaks down on road trip. It's like this daily consistent pressure and stress that you, you, you live with. Yeah. And I think that in sobriety, you know, I have, I start with gratitude. I start with gratitude and that, that'll get me through any sink full of dishes. Mm -hmm. That'll, you know, mm -hmm. that'll get me through any, you know, Halloween costume mix up the morning of with wet paint. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a mother with small children. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. And then, um, I do feel like I have more time because I have forethought. Mm -hmm. I'm able to like see things as they're coming at me instead of while they're exploding. Yeah. You yeah. know, I see, I can see like the pin coming out of the grenade. I don't even know how to. Yeah, like the Hubble telescope view. You're like looking back at the origins of, of the universe. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, and so I, I'm able to set myself up for success a little bit better when I pack that lunch the night before, yeah. you know, and, and, and even drama, even if someone's like freaking out, I I'm less reactive i'm calmer i'm more like well buddy i i can understand how that might feel you know mm -hmm. like this is this is what we're dealing with and do you find that that so, calm is empowering as well because i do i feel like that sense of zen that that i can respond to things versus react is really yeah. empowering to me totally totally and you know what am i other kind of pain points and maybe it's just me or maybe it's every marriage is I argue with my husband about stuff and I just recently got accused of being on a sobriety high horse <laughs> and uh see your saddle <laughs> uh -huh. I was like well says you from that boozy low horse <laughs> It's hard not like, to be though on a sobriety high horse a little bit because you do feel, I think a little bit like, okay, shit, I know some shit now. I can see through the bullshit as we're describing. And you want that, yeah. you desperately want that for other people in your life. 
You want them to be happy like you are and to see things in slow motion, respond with thoughtfulness and poise, not just react. And, and you kind of want that. You kind of want that for them. You can't help, but want that for other people. Yep. It's not judgment. They always take it as judgment, but it's not, I'm not judging you. I'm just on a beautiful vacation on a tropical Island and you're in a shit storm. And I'm just saying, I wish you were here, bro. I'm just sending you a postcard that says, wish you were here. Yeah. It's a great place to be. And I love my life. And I feel like I just have so many gifts, you know, as a parent, as a wife, as a professional. And so that whole like sobriety high horse thing, I was like, uh, normally when we argue, I get really reactive and I defend myself. I jump in that ring. And this time I was like, well, you're probably just saying that because you're feeling defensive and that's okay. You can, you can go ahead and take those cheap shots at me and say, I'm not fun anymore. That's a cheap shot. Okay. That's okay. You probably feel backed against the wall. You're feeling defensive. So that's probably why you're saying that. And I think it made him more mad, but it also made me way more calm. And I think my calm is what's unnerving to them because they go, I'm not shaking her. She's not shaking. She's not stomping around the house and slamming doors and yelling and crying. She's just a soldier, you know, she's unmoved and that's scary. I think you're right, especially with, I've had that in other previous relationships where drinking was a factor and all sorts of other, and just longevity of the relationship where we kind of have more resentful resentment toward each other. Mm-hmm. It was important mm-hmm. to get those little jabs in, got to be mm-hmm. one up, got to be one up, got to have the score a little bit higher to your advantage, you know? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Exactly. And, in and that whole, like, I win, matter. you win. No, yeah. exactly. Exactly. I was just going to give you one of my favorite Jackson Brown quotes that's I win, you win, we lose. Yeah. And it's like, bro, I'm not trying to get points. You can, but that that's you. I'm I like, I just felt like for the first time, I didn't really step into the ring with him. And he tried to take these jabs that I'm not fun anymore. And I was like, okay, well, I, if that's how you feel, I don't have the right to change your perception of me. That's your perception mm-hmm. of me. And he felt like kind of gobsmacked, like, no, like change my mind. And I was like, okay, well, I got some stuff I got to do. So let me know when you're ready to talk about this, like, calm. Okay. Yeah. And, and I mean, damn. Yeah. Right. That must've felt empowering too. I feel like in drinking, the small things become so much bigger than they need to be. And, and, you know, I imagine too, if you've got a partner that is still drinking their sense of that must be hard because you're on this very stable, calm side of it. And maybe if he's had a drink or something, I don't know if he was drinking at that moment or not, but things become bigger and more agitated and icky. And, and you, mm-hmm. you know, it's that like, you know, it's that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to get it out. I want yeah. to fight it out. I want to duke it out. It's that inner yeah. turmoil and anxiety that comes along. And I really feel like when we add alcohol into, into our lives, on any level. And, and especially when shit gets hard, it inserts this whole artificial level of anxiety that just would not be so thick, you know, if it wasn't, you know, if it wasn't there, I fully get people have anxiety and some people use alcohol to alleviate their anxiety, which doesn't work as we know, (laughs) but, 
but um, or maybe it'll works in the very short term, but in the long term, it does not work as has been written about at nausea. Yeah, and by short term, I mean like 20 and 30 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Sips. But as the chemical gets into your body, you're not calm. Oh, for sure, for sure. And, um, you know, all you have to do to test this theory is really to quit for some sort of somewhat substantial amount of time, you know, to realize, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which I'm kind of wondering, what do you think is if people want to, who are listening to this, who might be, you know, relapsing or trying booze for a while or trying sobriety for a while, and then going back to booze, you know, that cycle that we've all been in when we try to quit, um, how long do you think it is before you start to see these kinds of benefits in sobriety? Like what's the month mark? Do you think girl? Yeah, that's a, it's crazy. Cause when you were saying that I was thinking about this and like, I don't think 30 days is enough. Yeah, I really right. don't. And that we watched that media reel of Erica Spiegelman yesterday. And she said something, she's like, I don't think 30 days is enough. Yeah. And I a thousand percent agree. I definitely think that the 90 day mark is when really when the sun comes out and the rain dries up and things start to grow, you yeah. know, I mean, whatever, if you can quit for a week, quit for a week, it's worth it. It's worth it. If you can yeah. quit for two weeks, quit for two weeks. You know, if you can quit for a month, you know, I have somebody in my life who thinks that they deserve the, um, Nobel Peace Prize because they quit for a month every year <laughs> and they don't even do that but they think that it's really profound and I'm like yeah that's that's not kind of really. not that big of a deal but you know yeah. when you're in like the washing. active right but I mean when you're in the active cycle of addiction a month seems like for fucking ever I mean let's be oh, real and and so I I've think never I could never do it yeah, me neither until I really I needed to stop. And um, I, I agree with that three month mark for sure. That's what I was going to say. I think three months is kind of like the bare minimum to really gauge whether this, this is, or not even to gauge whether it's a good life change because it is, yeah. but to start to really see the benefits. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and to kind of decide, I think for me, I mean, when I quit, I, after, after, I don't know what point it was that I was like, I don't think I'm going to ever go back. It's probably the point when I read that section of that book, yeah. uh, Annie Grace. But I think it's the point where you start, where the scales tip and the temptation to drink and the, the messages you have in your head that you carry around in your subconscious about drinking are less strong yeah. than the beauty and the gratitude and the calm you know, that, that you have from sobriety, that it makes you, um, ready to choose sobriety. Yeah, for sure. I think so too. And you've got yeah. all those like unpleasant side effects out of the way as well. And I mean, those yeah. first, first three months are hard for sure. And, and it does really test the theory that we're talking about. Does it, you know, how alcohol, not drinking better, better equips you to handle the bullshit because in those first three months, there are only going to be every single thought in your mind that comes around that you're like, Oh, a drink would so just cure this in the short term, mm -hmm. but it's not mm -hmm. about short term. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the biggest mm -hmm. thing is now I get it. Like it's about the long term 
health and and wealth of my life like wealth just meaning spiritual and emotional wealth versus oh absolutely yeah 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 have i talked have i have i told you about the the um elephant the guy riding the elephant thing i don't think so okay i'm gonna do it because it was it was really profound for me when Andy Grace talked about how your unconscious is what controls all your decisions and your conscious conscious is what is like 10% of your fucking brain where you're like, you consciously go, I need to quit drinking. And then your subconscious goes, remember that pretty girl, uh, the wine, you know, label and remember it's just like all the billions of messages that you intake every day that mm-hmm. actually drive your behavior. And right. I just finished reading the coddling of the American mind, which will blow your mind. It's oh. an amazing book. Um, by Greg Haight and Jonathan, I should look it up. Anyway, in the very beginning, they talked about the way we make decisions and they talked about our conscious and our subconscious. And he goes, it's just like a guy riding an elephant. All right. So the guy is your conscious mind and that's your decision-making the guys driving the elephant, but the elephant is your subconscious mind. If ever there's a battle of wills, your subconscious, the elephant will always win. It's far, it's just much greater. It's just more of a beast, you know, it's a bigger beast. And it's not to say that the conscious mind can't drive the elephant. I mean, the guy does guide the elephant where it's going, but um, the elephant, if it wants to make decisions, it does. And so he says, um, what you do is, and that's what cognitive dissonance is, is when your conscious mind goes, I need to quit drinking. And then that elephant walks right up to the wine uh, cabinet (laughs) every day at 5 p.m. I really want to see an elephant try to drink a glass of wine. (laughs) (laughs) Trunk. Yeah. So, so that's like the conscious and the subconscious. And so what he says is he goes, it's not to say that the, the, the rider can't you know overpower the elephant but that's not what it's supposed to do the goal is for it to work in harmony with right and so in order to do that just like a real elephant you want to feed it good things you want to take it you know have it live and walk and be and exist in places of that cultivate good habits and good routine and good feeling and good you know and so when you do that when you feed the elephant and give the elephant a healthy, safe, good health environment, then the rider and the elephant can be more um, in sync, more uh, in harmony, mm-hmm, coordinated. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, that, that just like is really profound in terms of drinking because my subconscious mind was trained to think that alcohol equals fun and adventure and attractiveness and importance and excitement and intelligence even. And stress relief. And, and <laughs> stress relief. And it's the only way to really unload or, you know, level up at the fucking business conference or whatever. Punctuate and the next event as uh-huh. you put it before. Yes, punctuate. And so that's the elephant talking. And so I had to retrain my elephant. And, yeah. and in that, I have this elephant now that 
can do really amazing things. It's not just standing there at the fucking wine cabinet. You have an elephant that's wearing a triple XL Sober Baddies t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With leather pants. There we go. <laughs> nice. Sarah's showing really off her leather, leather pants. Are those legit, man? Really I, I feel like no. I feel full. No. Just, she's like zipped into these things. I feel like I'm still in my pajamas. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. This is Slow like how I feel today. like I can conquer the world. Yeah. Like, like you put these on and you're like, I got a lot to do today and this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to stomp it out. So before, so, we, before we wrap up too, cause I know we're almost yeah. like the 45 minute part, but, but Are we? so, well, yeah, but it's okay. So before we wrap up, I'm kind of wondering your thoughts on like the exponential sort of effects of um, not drinking and how it impacts like dealing with the bullshit. Like we talked about calm, we talked about slow motion, but you know, for those people who are like, I don't know, booze works for me, you know? For sure, for you know, sure. I'm wondering what else there is um, because I do Luckily, feel I like- I didn't get there right away. You know, it took me some time to realize all this. So how can we, how did we get here? How did we get here to where it's like, okay, now it's all calm and Zen and we can see shit in slow motion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think time. that, so we got the gratitude, we got calm and to me, calm and patience kind of go together, you know, where mm -hmm. you're like, I will see what this, what this unfolds to be. Yeah, and then that also leads into like, time and forethought because when you take forethought to plan out what you need you're not scrambling to pack a bag at the doorstep while you're late running out the door or whatever it may be you know you've got that forethought and you go okay well who can I call you know what's just whatever whatever um and you have a clear head yeah you have a clear head so you're like going well honey what do you think that sound is Oh, mm -hmm. what was the last time we checked your will? What's the, could it be the, is it the, you know, and you're actually thinking instead of reacting. Mm -hmm. And then one of the other things that I was able to get through alcohol, because here's the thing, sobriety takes time. Um, and getting yourself into the bottom of a pit of despair, that takes time too, okay? Yeah. So your first sip of alcohol at that party when you were 14, it did not take you down to the bottom of the pit of despair. It takes time. Okay. And so when you dig your way out, that's going to take time too. And I think I've said this before, but our girl, 10 seconds at a time, Molly, she's like, you know, I feel like my sobriety has just been these little drops in a bucket. And all of a sudden today I looked in the bucket and it was really full of, you know, these things that just the feeling of confidence and self-worth and I'm being funny and I'm generous and I'm, and it's like, it just slowly adds up. It's like gaining weight, you know, it just, just yeah, we're you. losing weight, which sucks. <laughs> it just you just gotta hang in there. It's, you're not gonna wake up and see anything. So, one of the things that I didn't expect I'd find is courage, mm. and mm -hmm. I I have this like self worth that I was able to recover, like the way that they're recovering lost dinosaur bones. It's like that, like because like it's like you recover from being sick or you recover your lost keys. It's like I recovered my self worth. I unburied it, and so that gives me the ability to um, call someone out when they've made a mistake at work. I used to not do that. I used to think, oh, maybe it was me. 
why isn't that thing measuring that way it's supposed to be? Oh my God, maybe I messed up. And now I'm like, hey bro, did you, I the notes say cut that to three quarters. Did you cut it? You know, whatever. Yeah. That's courage. That's courage. Or for someone to say, you're not fun anymore. Someone who's supposed to matter most to you, they say, you're not fun anymore. And for you to say, well, I have the courage to let you believe that. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, because you know that you are fun. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Sarah okay. is fun. Dang, girl. I'm so fun. She looks around with a spiked I'm water bottle. Fun. <laughs> yes, you're right here. I'm edgy. <laughs> Don't meet her, uh, Dark Alley. No. Um, and so along with that courage comes honesty, and that helps me solve my problems. That helps me solve my problems because I'm honest with myself and I'm willing to be honest with other people about the things, you know, that, that I need from them. Um, I feel like I have some generosity too. I used to be really, I used to kind of hoard my time and I, cause I needed to get to one o'clock and that was just for me, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I feel like I'm a lot more generous and I, I feel my feelings. I'm, yeah, that's I, true. And I'm brave enough to feel all my feelings. <laughs> yeah, and that's so. that's also a good point to all those things that you said were phenomenal. And and the feeling the feels thing is it really rings true to me because you know, in those moments like I'm not going to lie, I was thinking like, "Oh, damn. $2500, that that hurts." You know, that hurts. Mm-hmm. And, and, but, you know, but then I recognize we, we've got this, we can pay for this, you know, this is what we save for. It sucks, but I'm not going to sit there and wallow in some sort of woe is me moment because it's, it's just not worth it. And, and, and when you're talking about generosity, I mean, I think that a lot of times to me, mean our generosity to others, which I think is super important, but I also think it can apply in this case to like generosity towards yourself, just being nice. okay with things, you know, nice. like it's okay that I feel this way. It's okay that these, you know, these things happened. Um, you know, this money didn't have to be for a lavish vacation. It just, it got us out of this shitty circumstance. And you know what, we were really fortunate that we were able to do that. You know, yep. a lot of people would have had to pay that off for a full year, you know, and that's yeah. the thing. With it's, interest. Yeah. With interest. <laughs> Here's the thing is I made this list, right? And like all the, like how I deal with, uh, when, how I deal with chaos and bullshit and drama, um, as a sober person versus how I deal with it as I'm drunk, like the sober response list is significantly longer, you yeah. know? And the drunk person reaction list is like, I play into the chaos. I take it personally. I catastrophize. The drinker plays into the chaos. They take it personal. They catastrophize. What else do they do? What else did you do? Future future forecasting. Like this is all, well, which is kind of like, catastrophizing i guess but oh well this is this i'll never be able to get ahead because this set me back so far you know that kind of Mm -hmm, thing mm -hmm, i'll always mm -hmm. be getting you know always be at the mercy of the universe and it's 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 blows of shit toward me (laughs) yeah yeah yep yep you're you're always gonna think i'm not fun or I'm never going to get it together to get my kids out of the house in the morning or to be able to volunteer for the halloween thing yeah um, what about also like the running and hiding? Because mm-hmm. that's what 
alcohol is. I think Chef 56 said to me one time, he said it, I don't know if he got it somewhere or he made it up, but he's like, alcohol is just a pause button. It doesn't make your problems go away. It just pauses it. And then when you, when you, cause I'll, eventually you got to hit unpause. And when you do, it's a lot, it's worse than it was if you would have just faced it in the spot. It's like, it's, it's like this. It's like you eat a bowl of oatmeal and you simply put the bowl in the sink. And at the end of the day, you come back to fucking concrete stuck to the bowl. <laughs> That's Instead the truth. of washing the bowl on the spot. That's sobriety, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> That's true. I'll be here all week. <laughs> I could do a whole podcast about how much shit I did not do at night that whenever I was drinking that I would wake up to like empty booze bottles, you know, dishes in the sink you know, unfolded laundry, you name it. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's, that's, and that, what is that? That's forethought. That's the thing where you're solving a problem before it's a problem. Yeah, for sure. And so then the, the not drinker side of your note sheet. All right. This is, this is how sobriety helps you deal with problems, solve problems, and even like grow from problems. Cause it's like, what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. And there's this idea of anti-fragility, which is when you overcome something and you work through it, you're actually stronger for it. And, uh, children are anti-fragile. They can, they can overcome a lot of things. Yeah. Um, I'm not talking, I'm not talking about like deep, uh, trauma. They can't overcome that. I'm not saying that that's good for them. I'm just saying that certain struggles and challenges, learning to find your shoes when they're lost and tie your own shoe and you forgot your homework. So you have to deal with the natural consequences, stuff like that. It actually (laughs) makes them stronger people. Mm -hmm. And, um, that like idea of anti-fragility is, I think something that serves us in sobriety. Oh, we don't try to run away from problems. We actually face them and then we're that much better for it. Yeah. I mean, Um, even even though that was just a simple car breakdown, I did feel kind of superwoman, like, Oh, this didn't get to me. I'm really surprised, you know? Yeah. uh, Totally. These triggers aren't going to get me. (laughs) No, no, no. I'm farther and farther up. I'm like an airplane. Like they can't reach me. They're on the ground. All right. So when we're sober, the way we result respond to our problems is I feel like time slows down. I feel like I can almost even go outside myself and see like, like it's a sitcom. My husband and I arguing <laughs> instead of me being in the fire. It's like, I can just sort of look at these two crazy people arguing about <laughs> how much red meat they eat during the week. Um, okay. Gratitude, gratitude first, gratitude always. Um, time and forethought, calm, zen, zen mode. You have a clear head. That's kind of the calmness too, but all that anxiety and shame that you have to swim around with, with the drinking, that doesn't help you. So you have that clear head from that. You have courage and self-worth. You have, and that gives you honesty. I feel like you Mm -hmm. can't really have honesty without self-worth. And when you have that, you regain that, you reclaim that in your sobriety. It gives you honesty. Um, and then you have generosity and then you feel your feelings. You're not running away from pain. Pain yeah. actually makes us better. Yeah. And then, and then 
through all those, you escape the cycle because you're no longer in the cycle of feel pain, feed pain, feel pain, feed pain, you know, so you get to be. Wow. Well said. Solving your problems, approaching your problems, approach, approaching your stress. I feel like you have less stress, like the cortisol in your brain, the stress hormone, there's less of it because you're not trying to bargain with yourself about trying to quit drinking anymore. Yeah, for sure. All that math you used to do. I think, I think also, I don't know if this is true for everyone because every, you know, people have different income levels and this is just not a factor for maybe some people, but drinking made me financially stressed because I love to save and that fed into my sense of overspending, which fed into all sorts of guilt. And I could see my, my own contributions or, you know, (laughs) lack thereof, of being able to save whenever I was drinking so much. I literally had thoughts at one point of, I'm going to drink my retirement away, you know, and because I could see that if I would have just saved the $300 a month, and this is for real people, if you're drinking $300 a month in booze, math, you know, it's scary. Yep. It's a scary amount. And there's no point in going back and applying pain and shame to previous purchases. But I guess I just mean that if I would have been drinking in that moment, I would have had further shame about the amount of alcohol I was spending money on. And I would have been thinking, well, you know what, if I wouldn't, if I weren't drinking, we might have more savings and this wouldn't be that big of a deal, you know? And it ended up not being a big deal because since I stopped drinking, I got more savings. You know what I mean? (laughs) Totally. Totally. I definitely like turned a blind eye to a lot of the spending on alcohol because you just think it's, it's part of your groceries. Yeah. Right. You You don't think of it as this waste. Yeah. You don't, that elephant that you're riding doesn't ever stop to go, well, this is a recreational drug. Yeah, for sure. The elephant goes, well, this is what you need in order to function in this society. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, shit's crazy. Shit's crazy, crazy. girl. Well, hopefully we have better equipped our listeners or given them some hope with how to better handle Mm -hmm. some of the bullshit because it's true there's just there's there's never going to be a shortage of bullshit it's america well some of of our listeners aren't in america but yeah it's global it's a global issue bullshit's everywhere it's global bullshit is global that's awesome we should make bumper stickers (laughs) bullshit is global but then we could do it in a different language yeah (laughs) If you're listening to this and you know a different language, you can go ahead and email bullshit is global bullshit is- in a different language to soberbaddie <laughs> at gmail.com. We would appreciate it. Yep. And well, if if the t-shirt company really goes off, we'll get you some royalty. <laughs> um, Thank you for listening today. Yeah, yeah. I've been uh, hanging with Elaine Skyler Neal. And I'm with Sarah Malloy, and we are the sober baddies. <laughs>